Today's episode, episode 99, is brought to us by our Explorer of the Week, Israel. Israel has been with us from the beginning of our Patreon, um, and we thank you for it. Now, today's episode is all going to be about a guy called Ben Rich. Now, Ben Rich was the second director of Lockheed Martin's Skunk Works, and specifically what this episode is about is a quote from Ben Rich saying, we now have the technology to take E.T. home. What did he mean by this? Well, thanks to Israel and our other Patreons, uh, we are going to find out. If you too want to be one of our Patreons, all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash aliens explored and pick one of our tiers. If it's uh, at tier three and above, then you too get to be Explorer of the Week, just like Israel, and we will thank you publicly. Now, let's enjoy episode 99. Aliens Explored is a weekly podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Hello everyone and welcome to Aliens Explored, your weekly look at the mysterious skies, the teeming countless galaxies, the mysterious depths of the bottom of the sea, those smoke-filled rooms and those military black sites. Um, my name is Neil Kelly, I'm one of your presenters. And I'm your other presenter, Stu Jackson. That's quite a list, Neil. It's it's not by any means exclusive or exhaustive. <laughs> we, exhaustive I don't is think what I mean. We could yeah. come up with a, a, an exhaustive list, could we? No, our, our interests are wide and varied, and we go way beyond what we said we would talk about. But this week we're talking about a chap called uh, Ben Rich, who was um, who, who worked for Lockheed uh, with their Skunk Works. He was head of their Skunk Works project, wasn't he? He was indeed, and for anyone that doesn't know what Skunk Works is, it's their advanced development program. It's like R and D, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, Lockheed will tell you it's the most prestigious engineering post in the history of aviation. Mm. Yes, uh, he was the second director, so from nineteen seventy-five yeah. to nineteen ninety-one. Um, a lot of people consider him to have been the father of stealth technology. Yes. 
yeah um starting with the uh, the u2 spy plane and then moving on to develop the develop the sr71 blackbird um but mm. i mean he he started working for skull works back in the 50s and he he designed the um hey, here's a cool thing he, he was awarded a patent for designing a nichrome heating system which prevented navy patrol plane crew members penises from freezing to their urine elimination pipes that, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. That it, it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds like a, it sounds like a, a trivial thing, but actually, yeah. Imagine that you you paint. I mean, do you have to kind of? I mean, when you go up in one of these things, do you have to effectively insert a catheter so that you can, you know, if you're in the air for hours at a time, flying in a holding pattern, air to air refueling, you can just you've got this catheter that just enables you to to pee. Well, like- yeah, I but imagine it would be something along the lines of a stadium pal. But then but then it gets so cold that your penis free, sticks to it. Which is well, effectively moist, the same as it's a moist environment, it's going to be. Mm. But yeah. yeah, they used to say sailors on, on Arctic patrols they, they they should never touch the railing of the ship with a bare hand because their hand would stick to it and it'd be yeah, you know, a, a burn is caused by a, a, a massive change in temperature, upwards or downwards, isn't it? So it, it would be just like touching a hot frying pan and mm. sticking your hand to that. So yeah, you'd have this thing burning the inside of your penis. So it's, uh, yeah, that was a, a much needed heating mm. system. Yeah, on that thought, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, mean, well, yeah, let's. All, let's... Credit, all credit to him for it, but I just don't yeah. want to think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now um, he was he was associated with quite a disastrous project, um, the F one hundred and four Starfighter, for which he designed the inlet ducts. Now the F one hundred and four Starfighter has a, a sorry history. Um, when we talk about the jet age of the, the sort of late nineteen forties up to, I suppose the <laughs> up until the space age of the late 1950s um the united states was embarrassingly late to the party i mean britain had jet aircraft towards the end of world war ii although they wouldn't fly them over enemy territory they're only used for home defense for fear that they might get shot down and the the, the technology might be captured and reversed reverse engineered even though the nazis themselves already had a perfectly good jet plane the twin-engined messerschmitt me262 which was Quite a quite a devastating aircraft. It was a hundred miles an hour faster than anything the Allies had over in the enemy skies over Europe. Um, it was so fast it was like they were able to carry out a daylight bombing raid on Antwerp after its liberation without losing a single plane. Um, whereas you know, conventional bombers would they'd be slaughtered in the sky, mm. going up against anyone with air defences. So um, and this continued into Korea. So when when America when the UN the American-led UN force went to Korea, the Americans still didn't have jets in, in their air force. And the Britain did. Britain had the, you know, the Gloucester Meteor and, and perhaps a couple of other new jets by that time. And then they came up against the Russian MiG-15, which was apparently reverse-engineered from British technology <laughs> that a couple of couple of Russian scientists came over from the Soviet Union and said, oh, can we have a look at your jet-ended technology? <laughs> and the people at Rolls-Royce said, yeah, sure, fine. And um, apparently when they asked permission for, from Stalin um, to, to go and see if they could get this technology, Stalin laughed and just said, yeah, well, you know, have a punt. Um, but, yeah, they got it. So suddenly America was up against jet planes, so they had to rush 
um, there was a jet called the Sabre, which they managed to rush into service for Korea and re-establish their, their, if not air superiority, at least their air parity. And then, of course, after the Korean War, late 50s, they, they needed something, they needed a, a, a new all-weather multi-role combat aircraft to, um, to, to replace the jets that had been rushed into service for Korea. And Lockheed's offering was the F-104 Starfighter, um, which um, Ben Rich, for which Ben Rich designed the, the air intakes. So the US Air Force trialed the Starfighter and said it's not fit for purpose. I mean, if you've ever seen the Starfighter, it looks like a rocket. It's a long sort of tube with a pointy yes. nose and small wings. Um, they, they said it would probably fi- be fine as an interceptor because it's fast um, and and only in the, the, you know, the clear blue skies over the Arizona desert where we trialed it, but probably not, not, in, not in all weather conditions in Europe. So Lockheed had a problem. The, 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 the Starfighter was rejected. They didn't know what to do with it. They'd invested, obviously invested tens of millions in research and development for this. So they, they, they came up with a wheeze to sell it off cheap at, at bargain basement prices to the Luftwaffe. They persuaded the West German government to buy these the Starfighter in numbers and the West German government kitted it out in its originally intended role as an all-weather um, multi-role combat aircraft. And now, of the 900-odd planes that, that, that the West German government took, yeah, bought for the Luftwaffe, nearly 300 of them, I think it's 293 or something, crashed and uh, over 100 pilots were killed from... In about a twenty-year period, from when they were taken into service in nineteen sixty-one up until the late seventies, early eighties, um, they used to make a joke in in Germany. You know, if you if you want to own a Starfighter, just buy a patch of land and wait. Yeah, so mm. so Ben Rich was associated with the Starfighter. I thought I'd just get that one in. Yeah, um, no, it was, that, yeah. no, that's an absolute good call. And uh... it, it's a, it was a dodgy arms deal. You know, money changed hands in in darkened rooms. And that's how Germany ends up buying the Starfighter. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm pretty sure that <laughs> the world of arms dealing, all of it's dodgy anyway. <laughs> it's extremely point. dodgy, yeah. And, um, and of course, if you're a if you're a, if you're a shareholder with Lockheed, you will have made a you would have made a mint over the last couple of decades because war is good for business. If you've got shares in Lockheed, yeah, Lockheed it's yeah. Lockheed Martin, isn't it? Um, so this. This this Ben Rich has said a number of things, and what we're going to talk about today is uh, we now have the technology to take ET back home. So my first well, question before, is: bef- never have before it- we get onto that, I just want to go back on, on some of the things you were just saying about um, about what he's worked on. So hmm. we've discussed previously on the podcast about things like the whole stealth technology potentially mm. being reverse engineered from ufos um and mm. indeed the skunk works themselves have a vast history of people claiming that they have access to alien spacecraft alien technology and things like mm. that that basically they have been reverse engineering this technology there is nothing new about that claim that's a claim that's hmm. been made for a very, very long time. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in there as well as a bit of background before we get into this specific quote. 
Mm. But yes. Um, well, he, he talks about the, the programs he's been involved in. He said, you know, we did the F-104, the C-130, U-2, SR-71, F-111, F-117, and many other programs that I can't talk about. We are still working very hard. I just can't tell you what we're doing. Well, there could be all sorts of reasons why we can't tell you because they're total fuck-ups and waste some money. You know, you know that, that's, a, that's a reason for not being able to tell you what we're doing. But he has said... Um, he said, we already have the means to travel among the stars, but these technologies uh, are locked up in black projects, and it would take an act of God to ever get them out to benefit humanity. That's what he said. Can you attribute that quote? Um, statement made after UCLA presentation to three disclosure project witnesses, he said. Okay. Um, but the, the quote so, we were talking about... That sounds um, well, like he, a bit of hearsay, though. He, he, he mentioned... Yeah, he mentioned E.T. twice um, at a UCLA School of Engineering alumni speech on the 23rd of March, 93. He said, we now have the technology to take E.T. back home. And at a WPAFB slide presentation... In 1993, also 1993, he said, the Air Force has just given us a contract to take E.T. back home. Well, now, it's interesting you've you've raised both. Of, so the, the quote we were focusing on, um, mm. I mean, you've kind of, <laughs> you've mm. killed the bit I was going to do as a big reveal later, but never mind. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've spoiled your show. That's what I'm here for. Not it's a all. service. It, <laughs> other services are available. <laughs> So, yes, this quote, we now have the technology to take E.T. home. And you mentioned it's the UCLA speech of 93? Um, yes. So UCLA School of Engineering speech, alumni speech. Yeah, this particular speech has been attributed to a number of different speeches that he's made or mm. it's been claimed that he's made. It's been mm. attributed to a number of private conversations that hmm. people allege he had, but there is absolutely no record of it actually happening. Okay. Um, so there are claims nobody has ever backed it up. Right. So they've just claimed that he said these things and now he's dead, so he can't say, I never said it. Yep. Um, I, I mean, I mean, why would he be talking about ET? I mean, nineteen ninety three when ET came out in what about twelve years previously? Oh, we use the term ET as shorthand for extraterrestrial outside of the movie. Oh, oh no, I, I thought it was a specific reference to the the movie about you know ET phone home and all this. You know, ET's trying to get home that, about that ET. And well, so in in I haven't seen the movie all the way through. Um, I just really? It. Yeah, really. Um, so where does it? Where does ET come from? Extraterrestrial, shorthand. Yeah, but which specifically? Where? Where is ET's home? Oh, is it know. in our solar system, or is it so in, in the movie? We hmm. don't know. So, but what he's implying is we we could take a creature. We we could send it. We could take a creature to uh, not of this world, back to its world, somewhere in another solar system, another galaxy perhaps, and it, it would survive the journey. Well, here's the interesting thing. To talk about 
taking E.T. home, and and hmm. we'll come a little bit more onto that in a bit, but he must know where E.T.'s home is. Like you say, is it this solar system? Is it another solar system? Is it another galaxy? Is it another dimension? Is it is it specified in the movie? Does does E.T. get home in the movie? No. No. Does E.T. No, e. go home? Spoiler alert. Yes, he does. Well, he departs. So I, I don't think... Um, so canonically... We, we could be movie, accused I'm, of... of I'm, we're I'm not going to spoil E.T. for any any of our <laughs> listeners. Oh, if we if you, if you reveal what happens to E.T., they're not going to say, oh, shit, I've never seen that. I was going to watch that. And now, now you've well, spoiled it for me. Here's, here's, here's a bit of a, an interesting thing about that specific movie. Um, so we don't, like, in the movie E.T., we don't know where the ship has come from. We don't know where the ship goes to at the end. Hmm. We just know it goes. Um, but the creatures that, that E.T., E.T.'s race, appear hmm. in Star Wars. Do they? They do. Uh, they were the glowing finger. Episode one. Um, they have the glowing finger. Um, they're in the Galactic Senate uh, in episode one. I think it's episode mm. one or episode two, one or the other. Um, so we do know that E.T.'s race comes from a galaxy far, far, far away. Far, far away, yeah. And here's the other thing. In the movie E.T., E.T. himself sees a toy Yoda figure of Elliot's and reacts quite strongly to it. So it is really? possible. Yes. So was, so was Yoda is, in was Yoda no, in it, the first Star Wars movie? Uh yes he is. Okay. So it's possible that E.T. Saw mm. the figure of Yoda, but knew who Yoda actually was. In fact, possibly even knew Yoda personally and was reacting and now, to that recognition of him. Okay, so we're talking about the creation <laughs> of a, a like a the Star Wars universe, aren't we? Not, not our real universe. So, no, 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 e- no. ET, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, it's just an, an interesting little uh, crossover. Uh, and, and isn't there yeah, the sort of rivalry between Spielberg and Lucas that there is between, say, Schwarzenegger and Stallone that uh, yeah, they, they 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 knowingly reference each other's work? It's a friendly rivalry, maybe a friend a friendly rivalry. That, that's the that's the phrase I'm looking for. Like us, but, Neil. Uh, <laughs> like us, yeah, <laughs> like us. Um, but yeah, that's that's anyway. That's all. Mm. Um, by the by, as a, as a, as a little aside there. Uh, take your digression drink, folks. Um, mm. <laughs> so, yeah, he would have to know where, like, if if he's talking about sending extraterrestrials home, yeah, he'd mm. have to know. Are we talking another dimension, another solar system, another galaxy? What are we talking here? Um, because they're very different engineering problems from each other. Hmm. Um, so to talk about having the technology, how did he know what engineering problem to solve? And it comes back round to this reverse engineered, they've got alien spacecraft. 
And yet, they're still NASA is still struggling to put people on Mars, our, our nearest planet that you can possibly land on. Yeah, but huh, NASA is less a corporate body where people are going to make lots of money. Did you see the story in the press this week? I think it was where they're saying that you know, the mission to Mars because it. How long does it take together? Is it eighteen months or two years each way? I don't know. It's something. It's a long way away, and uh, they, so they only want to send um, um, single sex crews on that mission to avoid the, the possibility of sex in space. I mean, how naive! Um, yeah, how have they? Naive. Have these people never worked in an army before? Yeah, I know. Okay. Um, uh. It's. <laughs> I mean, why do they want to avoid sex anyway? I can understand um, the wanting to avoid pregnancy because that would cause a real problem, uh, cause an incredible well, moral issues, and because like if you've not got enough air or food for a fifth human being, like if you mm. crew of four, for example. You haven't got air or food for a fifth human being, and someone gets pregnant. Would it be morally correct to terminate? Mm. Which, I, um, I mean, there's a whole, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, there's a whole set of issues there, right there. Um, but uh, yeah. and, and would the baby be an alien? <laughs> you were born on planet Earth. Are you, would, would they? Well, they'd be an extraterrestrial. Yeah, they would be an extraterrestrial by definition. And if they yeah. were born on Mars, they'd be a Martian. I, I, I was just thinking maybe they were, they've had issues before with a, a rogue ejaculation in zero gravity and everyone gets a bit of it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't it more in no, getting into the equipment? <laughs> but anyway, too, Neil, yeah. trust you to go down that particular rabbit hole. Well, um, you know, I've worked <laughs> in an office where you come into work in the morning and find pubic hairs in your keyboard. You think, what, what the oh, fuck goes oh. on here at night? You know? <laughs> oh, dear. Right, well, moving very swiftly on. So, so you mentioned earlier this other quote that he hmm. said, where he... he um, so this isn't, we don't know which speech particularly this is from, but this quote is, we've just been awarded a contract to build this, and he, there's a slideshow of a picture of a flying saucer. Mm-hmm. Just been awarded a contract to build this to fly E.T. back home. Now, where this comes from, this mm-hmm. is not, Nobody can quite work out which speech it was from. However, there's a guy called Steve Justice, who was also a director of Skunk Works. I believe mm-hmm. he was uh, the person who he was uh, Ben Rich's successor. I believe, but Steve right. Justice himself is quite an interesting character in ufology terms uh, for a number of different reasons which we will go into no doubt in a future mm. episode um, I'm just clocking the time at the moment um, mm. but yeah so Steve Rich, uh, sorry Steve Justice who worked with Ben Rich when he was going through Ben Rich's things so obviously Ben Rich passed away um, mm. he's going through his previous things now all of Ben Rich's speeches were written out he didn't ad lib anything 
Mm. Everything was all written out well in advance, uh, w- including references to which slides should be up at a particular time. Everything was meticulously planned. And Steve so Justice, this guy didn't do off the cuff? He did not do off the cuff, did Ben Rich. <clears throat> and Steve Justice found this quote in a speech saying, we've just been awarded a contract to build this to fly E.T. back home. Now, Steve Justice claims not to know of any reason why he said this or anything like that, but he was talking about sort of, well, black projects that he couldn't talk about, basically. So, and it was kind I, of a, but I can tell you this. Well, what I'm thinking, I'm, I'm torn because I'm, I'm thinking that I don't know what he means. He either means, because he, he, at one point, um, in a in a telephone call to, to Jim Goodall um, at the, the USC Medical Center approximately one week before he died on January 5th, 1995. He says, Jim, we have things out in the desert that are 50 years beyond what you could possibly comprehend. If you have seen it on Star Wars or Star Trek, we've been there, done that, or decided it was not worth the effort. Um, so I imagine for most of the stuff in Star Trek, oh, yeah, we've decided building a massive... An intergalactic space cruiser is, is not worth the effort, but we we could, but yeah, we can't be asked. But, uh, 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 is he talking about cultural references that yeah, you know, we could send ET referred to ET in the, in the Spielberg movie, or is he actually saying we have an extraterrestrial on one of our bases, and um, we've built a craft that can return it to its home planet? That's the ultimate question, isn't it? Is that what he's talking about, or is he just saying, "No, we can, he's he's just he's"? I mean, I got the impression when I read the quotes that he'd he'd seen someone had shown him ET twelve years, you know, shown him a, showed it on a videotape twelve years after it was released, and he got all excited about it and started claiming that he could do Maybe. all those things. It, it's I mean, really the, hard to gauge. But you know what? Saying, is, yes, we've got stuff technologically 50 years in advance. I can accept that 100%. Say, if you've seen it in Star Trek or Star Wars, we've explored that as an option 100%. There are so if, companies if, out there. You look at Star Trek, okay, and when it came out in the 60s, People laughed at it and said, oh, the idea of doors opening automatically when you walk up to them, that won't happen in my lifetime. I mean, go to any supermarket. Yeah. And that's um, what you've got. Handheld communication devices, all inspired by Star Trek. Well, um, a lot of stuff comes from science fiction. You in know, fact, um, the first ever flip phone was the Motorola StarTac. Hmm. And it was called the Star Trek because they couldn't get the license to call it the Star Trek. Okay, and I had one. Uh, that was the first. I remember reading, phone. yeah, back in the nineteen fifties or even the nineteen forties. There's a a, a a cartoon character that um, Americans will recognise more than Brits uh, called Dick Tracy. He was this detective. Hmm. Um, uh, he, 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 his story was syndicated in various newspapers, but he had a wrist radio. It was like a wrist watch, but with the radio. And it was in the, in the cartoon, we going calling Dick Tracy, calling Dick Tracy, buzz, buzz, buzz. And, and people said, well, that's impossible. You could never fit a, a, a radio on your wrist because because the, the valves are too big. In, in yep. those days, a radio was a piece of furniture in your living room. It was yep. you know, the size of a small armoire. And, and, and yeah, and... 
a small a small piece of, yeah a small cupboard vacuum valve so yeah, yeah. but but it, what it what it suggested what the suggestion was that yeah you should if you want to predict the future science fiction is a, a better guide because scientists themselves are often constrained by their knowledge of existing technologies and how they would apply that to this and say well no because you know radios work on valves so you couldn't fit that whereas a science fiction writer is going to say well i don't care how it works i just know he's got one you know yeah <laughs> yeah when, absolutely by some te- technology um, yeah and you know uh we've worked out how to do warp drive now have we Yes, there so, is a Mexican scientist called Alcubier who hmm. has uh, worked out how to do warp drive. Okay. Well, Fast so, and light uh, travel that's... is within our reach. There you go. Okay. Has he, has he got a craft that can... He hasn't got a craft. Is that would a... take an awful lot of money. He's worked out how to do it. Worked That's out the theory thing. of it. That's the first step. <laughs> okay, he's he's worked out the theory. Okay, yeah. my my question is this: Yeah, I I was you know, I grew up during the Cold War um, when East and West faced off against each other, mainly you know the United States and its allies against the Soviet Union and its mm-hmm. in inverted commas allies or conquered territories of the Warsaw Pact and. A war in Europe was unthinkable because it would lead to just Armageddon. And although there were all sorts of proxy wars being fought in places like Vietnam and Angola and Afghanistan, they said, you know, we can't have this actual direct confrontation because it will lead to a nuclear war and we'll all die. Well, suddenly, now that there is actually a war in Europe, that um, uh, um, Russia has invaded a country which isn't isn't a NATO country, but looked like it was probably on the verge of becoming a NATO country. Um, certainly, the United States wouldn't give any guarantee it wouldn't become a NATO country. Um, everyone seems a far more relaxed about having an all-out war in Europe now than they were thirty or forty years ago. So, is that because America think they've they've got this technology that they, they're just gonna they can just flatten Russia and have no consequences for themselves? Is that what they, I, I they, have a very they got this kind theory. of And what's very that? Very different theory. So, for one thing, the last time there was a major war across Europe, it's it's now just about leaving living memory. Yeah, it, it's it's hearsay. It's become pretty much hearsay. We've heard stories, but. Mm people alive, there are very, very few left who actually experienced it, who actually remember it. Hmm. Add to that, so so we become like further removed from it. The horrors of that war are, as a society, further removed from us. So we become more sort of relaxed about it. On top of that, you have various governments who have been actively using propaganda campaigns to paint a rosy picture of life back then, particularly here in the UK. Ooh, mm. rosy a picture of what life was like back then. Mm. So, yeah, people would be, oh, it's okay if there's another war because we'll be going back to good old values, apparently. Yeah, it'll be our finest hour and the blitz spirit and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, do you know what they talk about? Blitz spirit, shitting yourself under a bit of fucking corrugated iron. <laughs> yeah. That's blitz spirit, living in permanent mm. fear of death from above. 
that's or, or the dunk or the dunkirk spirit being, being being part of an army that's been completely routed and defeated that's being rescued by small boats that are being bombed to shit um mm. yeah that, that's <laughs> yeah i imagine that's pretty hairy as well actually my uncle alec was at dunkirk he was sent to france in 1940 as part of the british expeditionary force and um yeah, he, he was actually at Dunkirk. And I always wanted to ask him. I mean, I never used to see him much when I was a kid because he's, he's long gone now. But I always wanted to ask him, when you were stood in the sea, up to your armpits in, in water, holding your rifle above your head, standing in those long lines, waiting for some small cabin cruiser to come and pick you up and either take you to Britain or drown you in the middle of the, of the, the channel. When you were stood there, and, and you know, Stuka's dive bombing you and, and the like. Um, didn't you ever think, actually, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be? Because <laughs> what they're expecting to do is refight the Great Wall all over again. It was going to be Passchendaele and the Somme all over again. At least it wasn't that. Mm. At least it must be thinking, well, at least I'm going home. You know, I've got a good chance mm. of it. There's, there's I always meant to I ask him that. But I just mm. wondered, you know, does. Why is there? Because it's always been the threat of nuclear war, hasn't it? I mean, they always said, you know, the reason for, why for us, America was 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 prepared to attack Iraq and over weapons of mass destruction, and not North Korea, was because North Korea actually does have weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, and now we're going up against Russia, and then against China. I mean, that's where America's focused now. So, do they think they've got technology that's? 50 years in advance of anything anyone realises and we're going to use it for what we always use our technology for, which is to bomb the shit out of someone. Maybe. Anyway, we have really digressed and we've reached the end of the show. So let's uh, let's do our trademark summaries. So, Neil, all right, we've, we've talked about this original quote that we sort of hmm. sold the show on, uh, now having yeah. the technology to take E.T. home. I think we can dismiss that. But we've been given a contract to build this to fly E.T. back home. Is this Ben Rich admitting that they have access to extraterrestrial technologies, that they have access to extraterrestrials? Or at least knowledge of them. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, I, I don't know. If, I, 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 I think it's more likely he was engaging in a bit of hyperbole, and he was just very excited about some technological project. And wow, this is Star Wars. Wow, this is Star Trek generation. You know, this is. Yeah. But it, actually, it wasn't. He was just. This is- one of those rare occasions when you and I are in agreement. Are we? We are, because I don't think he was admitting to anything. I do, just to be clear, I do believe that um, Lockheed Martin in particular, Skunk Works, have access to um, extraterrestrial technologies and have been mm. actively reverse engineering them. I do believe that very much. Okay, that, that's However, where we part the, ways. <laughs> okay, and and absolutely, I wouldn't yeah. expect that to be any different. But the fact that Ben Rich was so meticulous about making his speeches that everything was written out and planned out in advance, that he didn't deviate. I think there's a lot of people in ufology who 
romanticize the idea of him slipping up and letting something out. I just don't think that would have happened at all. Um, so I don't think his quote, I think, like you say, his quote is just like, he's talking about E.T., yeah, from the movies, not actual yeah. E.T. Um, I think, he, is, yeah, I think he, he, is. he was very much saying, we are far more in advance than you can ever possibly imagine. Yeah, I think but he also, was saying he, that, but that doesn't surprise he, me. He he works for an, an aeronautics and armaments company that, that gets very fat government contracts. Yeah, you want to keep talking yourself up, talking up what you can do and what you can deliver, but so that the, the US government will give you another billion dollars. Yeah, and the shareholders will mm. invest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that must be a difficult business to get shareholders. Like, yes, we've got some wonderful things that are going to make you lots of money, but we can't tell you about any of them. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Just trust us. Trust us with your money. Anyway, that's a <laughs> mm. <laughs> an interesting but, but that- one. Yeah, but that that was the that was the name of the game in the Cold War. The, if 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 you don't give us the money to build this thing that we can't tell you about, um, the other you can be sure the other side are doing it. So you know, oh, we'll yeah, be and saying it to the government is one thing because you can tell the government what you're actually working on, but to yeah. public shareholders when you can't tell them, uh, and, and what what you can also say to the government is, you know, it's not your money; it's not coming <laughs> out your own pocket. There's you don't that. pay taxes, you know. All your all your, all your <laughs> profits go through a network of shell companies in offshore tax havens. <laughs> anyway, we're way over time now, and we're still <laughs> digressing. So I'm going to pull it back round to a close, and I'm going to say, "What do you think, listeners, about Ben Rich and this quote? Um, have we indeed got it wrong about this original quote? Having the technology to take mm. easy back home, because you know, maybe someone out there." is aware of its source and can provide us with evidence. We would love to hear Mm. it. Uh, In fact, we'd love to hear your opinions in general anyway. You can email Mm. them to us, aliensexplored at gmail.com. You can send us messages on Twitter and Facebook by searching Aliens Explored. Uh, And, of course, all the links are below. And if you are one of our very special, very dear Patreon patrons... Uh, you get exclusive access to our Patreon-only Discord server where you can discuss with like-minded people any thoughts you may have. Uh, And I'd love to see some of those exchanges up there. Mm. Join us next time. Do you know what next time is, Neil? It's our 100th show. It really is. I am so excited. 100 episodes, and we're doing something a little bit special. We are going to be discussing a man's life and work, and it's a guy we have mentioned many, many, many times on this show, Dr. Stephen M. Greer. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, So don't miss that. And. and we're also on a countdown to episode 102, uh, which is very, very special because that is our two-year anniversary show. Uh, we actually yeah. started this podcast on the 31st of July, two years ago, Neil. Blimey. And episode 102 goes out uh, on the 29th, goes public on, the tw- of course, our early access Patreons they get it a little bit earlier. They get it a week earlier, but uh, it goes public on the 29th, episode 102. 
So that's the closest to a two-year anniversary that we're getting. 29th of July. Yeah, so we'll need our party hats for episode 102. But in the meantime, we've got, yes, episode 100 uh, next time. Bit of a celebration for that one. Dr. Stephen M. Greer. Don't miss that. In the meantime, do keep watching all these speeches by the Skunkworks directors and others, because you never know what they might slip up with. And of course, what else do we watch, Neil? Uh, the sky? Or did you just say that? Watching those skunkworks. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, episode 100. Boop. Yeah, bye-bye. See you then. Aliens Explored is a Fecal Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter or Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit us on aliensexplored.com.